This is Pastor Andrea Ellis, and I just want to personally welcome you to the Destiny Faith Church podcast. I'm so happy you're with us today. I trust the word of God will inspire you. So please open your heart and enjoy the word. Um, one of the scriptures that I was kind of chewing on today is found in Joshua, Joshua chapter one and verse nine. But just to give you a little background on that particular scripture, Joshua's man of God had went on to glory. So now Joshua had to take the reins and he was the one that was in charge and he had to take the people to the next level. And he had some little intimidation going on there. Moses had some big shoes to fill and now um, Joshua was fulfilling the shoes of Moses and I know, oh my God, I've been there and I, I understand so well why God had to keep telling Joshua the same thing over and over and over. He says in verse nine of Joshua chapter one, he says, have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dis." made keep your finger right there dismayed for the lord thy god is with thee where whithersoever thou goest i can't even count the number of times at least three four five times in the same chapter the same verse of scripture the same chapter of scripture god had to keep telling them don't be afraid don't be afraid i'm with you don't be afraid i'm with you don't be afraid i'm with you then finally he said didn't i say didn't i command you when god said didn't i say that means he's already said it to you before and take heed to what he has already told you he said didn't i already tell you be strong be of good courage and be not afraid neither be thou dismayed dismayed for the lord thy god is with thee whithersoever thou goest we defined this word dismayed a couple of weeks ago and i think i love this definition because i don't use the word dismayed in my everyday vernacular that's not a part of my normal nomenclature is to use the word dismayed so it's kind of a biblical term and even the people that i'm around i hear i don't hear people saying that word that often so let's not take it for granted let's define what it means dismayed means a complete breakdown of courage a complete breakdown of courage, totally rattled, all the way unhinged, completely paralyzed and terrorized by fears, or we could say disheartened or dis disillusioned, disturbed or diseased dis-ease anything that comes against your regular everyday ease or against your peace is dis-ease he said didn't i say it didn't i say remember our parents when your mom and dad said didn't i tell you you better take heed you start remembering oh yep I, you did tell me that though so he's saying didn't i say don't be afraid take your courage back and don't have a complete breakdown of courage. Don't be rattled and paralyzed by fear because I'm with you. Paul, when he was ministering to his spiritual son, his spiritual son, Timothy, he told him, he said, I stir up the gift. I laid my hands on you and you know you got the good stuff on the inside of you. He said, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
today, I just want to encourage you not to have a complete breakdown of fear or to be totally rattled or all the way unhinged because of the things that we're facing, the things that we're going through. The kicker is we're going through it and we don't have to go through it by ourselves. God is with us, never leaving us nor forsaking us. So let me pick up on today what I want to talk about. Um, we're still talking about exposing the spirit of fear, exposing the spirit of fear. Um, did we do Hebrews chapter 11? Let's do that. That's our core passage of scripture at Destiny Faith Church. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Again, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. One more time. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When is faith? Now. Faith is always now. Faith is always in the present tense. If it is not now, then it's not faith. As we talked about on Sunday, we've got to root ourselves in this present moment. Root ourselves in faith because faith is now. According to Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 in the Living Bible, it says, And so we should not be like cringing, fearful slaves. Did you know fear wants to make you a slave? Fear wants to take you captive and make you its prisoner, make you its slave. But Romans chapter 8 verse 15, 15 says, and so we should not be like cringing, fearful slaves, but we should behave like God's very own children, calling him father, father, or Abba, Abba, or daddy, daddy. We can call on him and he's right here. He's right here with us in whatever we're facing. He's in it with us. Let me tell you one of my stories. Y'all know I have thousands of them because I just remember the things that God tells me. And this is, it helps me. If he's talking to me, I don't want to take anything that he says to me for granted. So I like to write it down. I like to chronicle it. And also I like to tell somebody else as um, a point of record, as a point of record as well. So it's been a few years now, a few years ago. Many of you know I'm a dreamer. I dream and um, most of the time that I dream, it's very prophetic. I'm a prophetic dreamer and I, I have a good revelation of dreams and things like that. Don't start sending me your dreams and stuff like that. I'm not talking. I'm not saying it for that reason. I'm saying it to make my point clear right here. Um, one of my peers, one of my friends was kind of going through a situation and um, I had a dream. I had a dream about that particular friend. And in the dream, the friend was in a boat and I'm telling you, it was storming. The rain was pouring down. It was a downpour. The, the waves hit the boat, tossed and driven on the sea. Lightning was crashing. Uh, it was dark. It was gray. It was a just a terrifying situation and my friend was in the in the boat so in the boat my friend was in this in this boat with all of this waves and all of this going on and they kept saying somebody help me they were screaming and crying out somebody help me they were just screaming and just panicking screaming for help somebody help me and they kept screaming that over and over and over and over and over and they were so afraid and they were shaking and screaming for someone to help them but unbeknownst to them the boat 
had landed ashore. The storm had ceased. The sun was out. The birds were singing in the air and they were still screaming, somebody help me, somebody help me. They could not, fear would not allow them to move past that moment. They were paralyzed in fear of that moment. So after the storm was over, they were still crying and cringing in fear. Child of God, I need you to get a revelation that God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Listen, in Romans 8.15, we shouldn't be like cringing, fearful slaves, but we should behave like God's own children. God's own children. And we can call to him, Daddy, Daddy, Father, Father, Abba. Abba, God didn't give us fear. If God didn't give it to you, you're under no obligation to receive it. We learned that fear is from the Greek word phobos, is which where we get the word phobia, phobia. It has reference to terror, alarm, withdrawal, and isolation, fleeing because you feel inadequate. Fe fleeing because you feel small, you feel out of place, you're, you're uncomfortable around other people because you're in fear, Rior, are you listening to me? Avoidance because of the sense or the feeling of dread, panic and flight because you feel terror struck. I need you to understand that Fear is an emotion and it'll attach itself to other emotions if you allow it to do that. Fear is a big old mean bully, a big old mean bully that wants to take you captive and wants to make you its prisoner or make you its slave. We learned that there are at least 365 um, scriptures concerning fear. Fear not, fear not, fear not. A different scripture every day, a remedy every day for the spirit of fear. I need to expose the spirit of fear. I need to open up his playbook so you can see what he's really about. He's really just an intimidator. He's really an, an, an intimidator. He is not real and he has no power over you. Don't get me wrong. Danger is real, but fear is a liar. Fear is a pervert. Fear is nothing but perverted faith. Faith that, that something that hasn't happened bad is going to happen bad. And that's where the enemy lives. He lives in the arena of misguided emotions. Are you listening to me? We learned that the symptoms of fear include phobia, nightmares, sickness, death, worry, excessive intimidation, stress, psychological complexes, and even heart attacks. The Bible talks about men's hearts failing as a result of fear. Fear has reference to worry and anxiety. All of them are a part of the same gene pool. They're all the same emotion, but on different levels. Are you listening to me? We learned that worry mutates into anxiety. And anxiety mutates into fear. And fear makes you its prisoner. And sometimes people say, oh, I'm just so stressed out. Well, you don't have to be. Loose it and let it go because it is not yours and it is not your 
portion worry has reference to fretta uh, to having a disturbing thought or a nagging a nagging annoying feeling of trouble and a gnawing uneasiness but you've got to make up your mind that i will not worry i remember growing up and even in my family it was like a badge of honor we just worried about everybody all the time it was just worry and i remember i found in the scripture where it says that i'm not supposed to worry i stopped worrying and and now when i have the temptation to worry i put the scripture on it come on when the devil comes tempting you all you have to do is say it is written anxiety has reference to extreme tension mental uncertainty mental uncertainty bleakness and piercing hopelessness piercing hopelessness the bible tells us that we're not supposed to be anxious for anything but we're supposed to put our hope and our trust our whole faith to be hinged on the promises of God. We also learned that fear is a distressing emotion. It's aroused or it's provoked, it's enticed, it's, it's fed by the thought of impending danger or evil or pain. And this might be a real threat or an imagined threat, but it is a, pros a persistent and prolonged dread, a sense of torment obsessive irrational terror fright and horror but god says that we don't have to fear him because i feel fear that we don't have to fear the devil or any of those things that try to come against our ease because he's with us child of god i need you to understand that fear is toxic it's poisonous it's harmful it's malicious and it is lethal D doubt comes from that same gene pools all us all interwoven together here's the kicker you cannot be in doubt you cannot be in fear and be in faith at the same time you got to choose when situations and circumstances arise you've got to make up your decision in this window of opportunity am i going to come with my faith or am i going to come with fear the enemy wants to convince you that this thing has you hostage. You can't make it out of this. He wants to have that sense of deep hopelessness down on the inside. And listen to me. He wants to make you think that you cannot do what you're already doing. You've already made it this far. You have already made it this far. We've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord. You've come this far, and now he wants to try to convince you that you can't do what you have already done. You're already doing it. Remember the other day we talked about Peter. He stepped out of the boat, and he began to walk on the water. The enemy created a storm in his life, storm and lightning and wet waves and wind to cause him to think or cause him to doubt what he was already doing. He was already walking on the water. If you're defying the laws of gravity anyway, what is the wave going to do? <laughs> what is what is the wind going to do? What is you're defying the and he was walking toward Jesus, keeping your eye on Christ, you can do it. I'm here to tell you that we've got to be in it to win it come on are you listening to me so the enemy always wants you to think that you can't do what you're already doing i remember years years ago and i mean years years ago because tj was just a little small 
um, boy, my oldest son, TJ, he'll be 31 in June. And he was probably three, maybe three at this time. Remember, I taught him how to swim very early on. So we were all in the pool. Their dad was in the pool, all uh, me and all the kids, and they were swimming. And TJ, they were, we taught him how to swim. So he was really swimming well. He was really, really swimming. And he was swimming so far, he had swam out to about the five feet deep, about the five feet deep water. So when he realized that he was in five feet deep water, he started panicking. Help me! Plop, 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 going down in the water. Help me! Help me! He had swam out there. His daddy was in the pool. His mom was in the pool. There were other people around. But he realized that he had swam farther than he had ever swam before. He had gotten out into the deep. He was in a place that he had never been before. And he was uncomfortable in that place. But the principle was he already knew how to swim. So when he kept panicking and he's crying, he's crying out, help, help, help. And he was, he had forgotten everything that he knew because he was in a place that he wasn't comfortable with, a place that he had never been before. So he had forgotten everything. He didn't know to engage everything that he already learned and just went back. So I remember yelling to him and he kind of was frustrated because he was kind of, panicking and we didn't run we didn't run to him but we didn't want him to be afraid so his daddy's there and i'm there and people are there and so i just said tj swim come on you know how to swim swim and it was enough to shock him back into reality i'm not sinking my daddy is in here my mom is in here there's people all around and I know how to swim. Even though I haven't been in this place before, I still know how to swim. I can still engage the principle that I've learned how to do before because the same principle works in three feet of water that works in five feet that works in 10 feet. So child of God, I need you to get a revelation that you're not going under, you're going over. The enemy just wants to lead you to believe that you cannot do what you're already doing. So I'm going to tell you, like I told my son TJ, swim! Swim! You know what to do. Now we've got to do it. We've got to fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight because we win. Are you listening to me? Of course, when I told him to swim, he swam right back over there. He swam to where his dad was. He swam to where I was. And then he's going to say, why didn't y'all come help me? We didn't, you didn't need any help. You know how to swim. Then this is what we made him do. Now swim on back, right back out there. We made him swim back to the five feet again. Why? So that he would never be afraid to go back again. Come on, child of God. The Lord is taking us to and through places that we've never been before. He's given us the empowerment to do it. He's anointed us to do it. We've got the word of faith on it. Now, all you got to do is do it. Come on. We've got to fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight <clears throat> because we win. Did you know that's all we do is win? We don't know anything else, but winning this fight the good fight and i was i kind of got stuck on that scripture you know how i am i start reading then i get stuck right there it says fight the good fight of faith it already talked about fight so why didn't it say just um fight good or fight good in your faith but it says fight the good fight 
Anytime something is repeated, there's redundancy. That means that's very important and we can't just breeze past that. So oftentimes we think when we're in the faith fight, because we know the word and we know all the Christian songs and all of this, that everything is going to be a flowery bed of these. That's not the case. That's not the case. When you think of this scripture, fight the good fight of faith, you almost got to think of a wrestling match, a wrestling match. You go this way, you go, come this way, you get, you, you know, it's, it's a back and forth. It's a, it's a conflict back and forth back and forth back and forth you've got to exert sometimes there's a struggle to it sometimes there's a strategy to it but the main thing of it is is that whenever you're in a wrestling match your whole goal is to get that man down and pin him down pin him down in the name of Jesus. So even though with our faith fight, we're going to um, have some exertion, we're going to have some uh, struggles, we're going to have some wrestling, we have to understand that God is with us in it and the enemy wants to kind of throw his weight around to make you think that you can't win, which you're already well-trained to win. Come on, you're already well-trained to do it. So all you have to do is do it in the name of Jesus. This word fight comes from the Greek word um, agonizo, agonizo. I think I'm pronouncing it right. A-G-O-N-I-D-Z-O, agonizo. And this is where we get the word agony. The root of that is agony. When you're in a faith fight, there's sometimes some parts to, some parts to it that are, are uncomfortable, so I, I don't want to lead you to believe that you just skate through everything without any tears. You're going to have to have some, some conflict sometimes. But the thing of it is, is that you have to fight to the end. You can't give up just because things get difficult. Just because you've gotten to a place that you've never been before, you can't be so afraid that you go under. Remember, you've got faith buoyancy. The more you go down, the higher you're abounding back up. And now that you're here, know, know the faith steps that it took to get you here and to, to keep you afloat. You're here. You've not gone under. I've talked to so many people from my church. Nobody was hungry. Nobody needed anything everybody had food and toilet paper and wipes and everything we came through this thing even though a couple of people may have a couple of little symptoms they did the proper measures that they needed to do and everybody began to abound come on we are in a place that we've never been before but i'm gonna tell you like i told my son tj swim swim you've got what it takes to make it through come on are you listening to me the enemy wants you to think or wants to lead you to think that you can't do what you're already doing i remember when tj swam back from the five feet over to us he was crying he was crying and we were like okay while you're crying dry your tears up or keep crying whatever you want to do you're gonna swim right back out there to five feet i know it sounds like me oh why don't you hug him oh well you know we're here but i gotta teach you can't you can't panic you can't panic in the middle of a faith fight come on you cannot panic now while you're fighting did you know while you're fighting sometimes your lip might get busted sometimes um it's not get, might get slapped out of you. Uh, you might even cry. But this is that brings me to the topic that I'm talking about today. And I want you to get a revelation. And I actually got this. One of my spiritual sons wrote it in the remarks when I was preaching the other week. I said, sometimes you might be crying while you're fighting. But you better know while I'm crying, I am fighting. So you might be crying while you're fighting. But while I'm crying, I am 
am fighting. Listen, get a revelation. My thrust today is I might be crying while I'm fighting. Sometimes there's a cry to your faith fight. Come on. But while I'm crying, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep fighting and I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight because we win. Are you listening to me? There was a kid years, years, years ago in children's ministry and kids church. There was a kid and he was a little bit bigger, a little bit taller and a little bit um, heavier than the other kids in the kids church. So he would never hurt, hit anybody or hurt them on purpose, but he knew that he was bigger. So sometimes he would throw his weight around in the praise and worship. He would throw his weight around and he would push him aside and different things like that because he knew that he was bigger. He didn't do it to hurt them. He just knew that he was bigger. So he would throw his weight around. I told you when we came into this year that you're anointed. You are anointed. The anointing of God is on you. I told you that you are impervious, unable to be penetrated by the seductions of the enemy. So because you're anointed um, from the person of the Holy Spirit, it's time for you to throw your weight around. And instead of the little boy that he didn't want to hurt anybody, I, I want to I wanna hurt, I want to hurt fear. I want fear to know that you have no place in my life, no place in my children's life, no place in my children's children's life, down to a thousand generations. Are you listening to me? God hasn't given us a spirit of fear but a power and of love and of a sound mind. While we're in this faith fight, it's a good fight, but it's a fight nonetheless. We got to fight to the end. And you keep fighting until you win. You don't fight until you get stung. You fight until you win. So that means with tears coming down your faith, with, with face, with tears streaming, you still stay in the fight. And you almost have to have this mindset. Anybody ever been, see, I've been taking y'all to my old zip code all the time. But remember in our old zip code, if somebody made you cry, oh my God, you didn't draw a tear from me? Nah, I really got to go for broke on you because you shouldn't have made me cry. That's what you have to say to the spirit of fear. You shouldn't have made me cry. Now I'm coming for you. Now it's on and popping. Now I'm not going to stop until I win. I refuse to relent. I've got to do it. I've got to stay in it until I win it. Child of God, get a revelation that you're in it to win it. I just got a few more minutes, so let me dive right into the, the story that I want to um, take you into and I got I want you to get a revelation when it's time for the Olympics you never hear anybody saying we're going for the bronze you never hear anybody say we're going for the silver everybody says we're going for the gold we're going for the gold are you listening to me you've got to be in it to win it I remember um, one of my kids were in a track meet. All of my kids were athletes and they were always in track and different sports. And I remember I was standing on the sideline next to one of the parents of the other runners. And um, the little the little boy just trotting along in the, in the track meet. And I'm like, put some, put some little pep to it, bro. Let's go. The finish line is up here. Let's go. And he saw a person behind him and he realized that he wasn't in the last place. So then he put a little pep to a step so that he would not come in last. 
Then he came to his mom and he said, at least I didn't come in last place. At least I didn't come in last. And I was irritated because, okay, you got to be in it, not just so that you don't lose. You got to be in it to win it. Come on, you got to change your mindset. That's the mindset that's in it just so I won't lose. I'm going to do enough just so I won't lose. No, 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 no. You've got to be in it to win it. At all costs, you've got to go for the gold. The greatest fight or faith fight that there is is your fight, faith, fight of faith against fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In my last few moments, let me take you to one of the stories that had really been on my heart this week. One of the stories that had been on my heart this week, and it's found in 1 Samuel. It begins in 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm going to have to paraphrase some of it, but in 1 Samuel chapter 16, the prophet Samuel, who grew in favor and stature with God and men, the only person they said it about was Samuel, that I can find it in Jesus in the Bible. And it also says that Samuel's words never fell to the ground. Come on. So he was an accurate prophet and the Lord had spoken to him to go to the house of Jesse and begin to anoint the next king, anoint. There was an anointing that God wanted him to do and to go to the house of Jesse and he would show him <clears throat> who to anoint. When he went to Jesse's house, he inquired about the sons and Jesse brought his sons. He brought the oldest. Eliab, he was tall and handsome and he was strong and all of this. And when Samuel saw him, he was like, oh, that's him right there. That's him. And the Lord's like, oh, no, it's not. He brought Abinadab. He brought Shama. He brought all, Jesse had eight sons. He paraded all seven of his sons. And the Lord said, you looking on the outside. He said, but I look at the heart. Somebody needs to get a revelation right here. People look on the outside. But God looks at the heart, the core of the meat, the, the, the meat of who you are, the, the essence of who you really are on the inside, the, 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 the character, the person, who you really are. So after Jesse paraded all of these other sons, the prophet asked him, he said, you ain't got no more sons? He was like, well, I got one more. I got one more. He ain't nobody out there but David. Ain't nobody but David out there. He's out, out there um, tending the sheep. Well, I bring him in here. Come on. That has to be heartbreaking if your own daddy discounts you. Come on. If your own daddy discounts you. Same thing happened with Jabez. His mother uh, uh, called him, named him pain and agony because of what she was going through. She going to put that on him so everybody that called his name said the same thing. Well, that's a hurting thing when your own parent or your own sibling or the person that you love, listen to me, persecution does not work unless you regard what the person thinks about you. Come on, when you regard what the person thinks about you, then that begins to affect you. So here comes David, the youngest one ain't looking like nothing. You, he thought that the oldest one was going to be it. Both Jesse and the prophet did. But then God said, this is the one that I've chosen. The one that's least likely. The one that everybody else would look over. Come on, how many know that God's ways are as far from ours as the east is from the west? Do you know how far that is? The east and the west don't even touch each other. The, the, that's how far our thoughts are. 
from guys, the way that the way that we think things should be done. And what happens is we get in our emotions because we feel like things should be this way and that way and the other way. And then we miss God because we're going by what we think. But his ways are as far from ours as the east is from the west. So as we go over to the story in chapter 17, we go over to the story in chapter 17. Well, we see in 16 where um, the prophet anoints David and it says that he anoints him in the midst of his brethren. I think that's what it says. He anoints him in the midst of his brethren. Let me put my glasses on and I'm going to read it to you. It says he anoints them. And Samuel took the, um, took the horn of oil, verse 13, and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Woo! From that day forward, the spirit of God had came upon him. But if you keep reading in that story, he went right on back. To tending sheep. He went on call to be an armor bearer for the king. He was on call for his daddy to send him to run errands. So when there was this big giant in the land that was taunting the children of Israel, the Israelites taunting them, saying, come on, we ain't going to even fight all of y'all. If one person can take me down, then then we'll be y'all slaves. But if, if, you, if you kill me, we're going to be slaves for you. But if y'all kill me, then... um." Y'all know what I'm saying. If you kill me, we'll be your slaves. If I kill you, y'all got to be our slaves. Okay. So this big old dude, Goliath, was like nine feet nine. He was so tall and he was so strong. And I can only imagine this thunderous voice that he had. And he was coming out there ta ta taunting them day after day for 40 days. Over and over and over. This big old giant. So do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Come on, you got to get a revelation of how giants talk. But I need you to know the giants talk, but giants fall too. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Are you listening to me? While we're fighting, we might be crying, but while I'm crying, I am fighting. Are you listening to me? So we see in this passage of scripture, and I just got a few minutes to pull it together. We see in this passage of scripture where Jesse had sent his son David down to the army where they were, the, the militia was where they were all had their military formations and things like that. He sent David down there. Remember, David got anointed. He, God didn't anoint Eliab, Abinadab, Shammah. He didn't anoint any of them. God anointed the little one, the one that everybody had overlooked, the one that said, I know he ain't the one. I don't know who he think he is. That's the one who God had his anointing on. Are you listening to me? He could do more with somebody like that with the anointing than all the strong men in the world. Are you listening to me? So here he is playing a harp. For the king, the anointing had lifted off the king. Now he, he had a dissociation in his mind. He was tormented in his mind. He had to call for David. So now David on call to go play the harp for him. David is on call to tend his father's sheep. David on call to take somebody cheese and crackers. The one that was anointed by God is taking cheese and crackers to the military? Are you listening to me? When we're anointed, all the time we don't just step into it. 
We are still anointed, but you keep got to keep on doing what you're supposed to do. I got to pause right here. Even this, this prophet Samuel, this prophet Samuel, one of my favorite passages of scripture, when the Lord was talking to him, um, the Lord had came and stood by his bedside all of them times. They, and Eli, the, the high priest hadn't heard the voice. So after all of this, he was so far to said the voice of the, or the word of the Lord was rare in those days. So now God is talking to his people again, but this uh priest he would never discipline his children he had gotten far away from the things of god he he turned a blind eye to the things that were wrong so he couldn't hear god for himself so god went and he called the bible says he went and he called and he stood he stood at samuel's bedside wow that is power Paul, are you listening to me? After he had, when, when Samuel got the uh, call from the Lord, he ran to Eli and Eli didn't hear nothing. So finally the light clicked on. He said, well, go back to bed, son. And then when you hear that voice again, say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. So when he did what his spiritual father told him to do, the Bible says that God came, he called and he came and he stood at Samuel's bedside and he began to talk to Samuel. Now here's what we would have done the next day. We would have been getting up talking about um no nah, Samuel you do no uh, no nah, nah, um Eli you doing the chores today. When did God talk to you? But the Bible said that Samuel got up and he went and he opened the doors of the church. He he lit the candles. He kept serving. Come on, child of God. When the anointing comes on you, don't stop serving when it looks like things are not materializing. It doesn't materialize the way that you thought it was going to materialize. Don't you dare stop serving. Are you listening to me? That was a lesson from um, Samuel. Samuel got up and he kept serving. After God came and stood, we would have been kicked back on the bed. What are you talking about? You, you doing the chores today, Eli, because God came and talked to me. But his heart was keep on serving. I love David's heart. Even though he was the last in line. I always say I'd rather be the last in line than not in the line at all. Even though he was the last in line and God's anointing was on him, he went right back serving. He went back tending sheep. He went back serving the king, playing him music so that the, the spirits would calm down. He went right back taking cheese and crackers to his brother, brothers in the army. And while he was there, he saw, saw this big old giant coming and taunting them. Talk about, do y'all know who I am? You know who I am? And David was looking at them like, y'all, y'all, we could we could take this guy. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? We could take him. Come on. We could take him. And I had to stop and think, dang, what, what got into him? What made him go out there with that kind of boldness to see the whole army in terror? They would take off and retreat. They would run back. They were, he did this every day for 40 days. The giant terrorized them every day for 40 days. And they were terrorized. And here come this little boy with some cheese and crackers talking about why y'all running we got to we could take him who is this uncircumcised philistine i had to stop and think what happened to him why was he so bold remember he was anointed 
He was anointed. He was anointed. He was anointed. He was anointed. When did nobody know he was anointed? He was still anointed. When he didn't have nobody to see all the great things that he was doing, he was still anointed. When the lion came after the sheep, he was still anointed. When the bear came after the sheep, he was still anointed. So who is this uncircumcised Philistine? We can take this dude. He, he had a whole different resolve. He had a righteous resolve because the anointing is on me. Come on. Would you put your hands on your head and say, something's on me. Something's on me. The anointing is on me for such a time as this. What is this crisis? What is this virus? What is this? We can take this as a result of our faith. Are you listening to, oh man, I wish I had time to really walk through this thing. Oh shoot, I only got a couple of more minutes, but this thing got good to me. I started, I started feeling the way David felt. He was anointed because God anointed him. And it didn't take a confirmation from man to know that he was anointed. Listen, you're anointed. We came in this year and I said the anointing of God is on you. I said that you are impervious. Come on. I said that you got the, we got this. We not in the boat. Talk about somebody help me. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. No, 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 no. The storm is passing over. The storm is passing over. And you got to understand that the S-O-N is out and you are anointed. Come on, root yourself in this present moment. Come on. Fear can only track you by your scent. The enemy can track you by your fear. It is time for us to fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight. Tears might be streaming down my face, but while tears are streaming down my face, I'm still fighting. I'm fighting the good fight of faith. It's a good fight because we win. I got five minutes. I got five minutes. So this is the deal. They heard what he was saying and everything. So Eliab, the oldest, he caught, he got mad at him. He said, well, you just out here showing out who you think you are. You just coming down here. You're just that full of pride. And I couldn't understand why was Eliab getting so angry at David? Because he was right there and he saw David get anointed. Come on, when people see you doing right and seeing the anointing of God come on you, you would think that people would say, oh, good for you, good job, hey, hey, I'm in your corner. But you better understand, people will persecute you. Come on. His own brother, the one that he looked up to, his oldest brother, began to put him down. What you doing out here? You just showing out. You just out here trying to be seen. Who you think you are? You got a little oil put on your head the other day. Now you got the big head, that, that little oil. Then he even talked about the sheep. Y'all, where's your little sheep? You got them little sheep out there. You need to be tending those. Have you ever noticed when people try to belittle you, they always talk about your little this. Where's your little car? Where's your little man? Where's your little house? They always put little on it. Listen to me. Ain't nothing about you little. You're bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. Are you listening to me? You got to get a revelation that the anointing of God is upon you for such a time as this. Come on. We need the power. Remember, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. But what did he give us? Power, love, and a sound mind. All of those tools that God gave you will combat, take over, take under fear. Come on. God gave you everything that you need to go over, not to go under. Are you listening to me? I'm glad that David didn't get offended. I'm glad that David didn't get offended. Come on. Persecution is only powerful to the degree that you need approval. Come on. 
on. Persecution can only grip you is when you need approval from that person. That's why you got to get over people's opinion about you. And this is, why, this is how I tell DFC. You can't change what people think about you. Come on. You can, you can dumb down. You can try to be hum, so humble and so mousy and, and all this. You cannot even talk, testify of the great things that God is doing in your life. But guess what? People will still think about you what they want to think about you. But what they think about you has no bearing on you. It's what God thinks about you and what you think about yourself. Are you listening to me? Come on. You need to be delivered of people's opinion of you. Come on. I'm so glad I got delivered. I used to be worried about who liked me and who didn't like me. And I wanted to be accepted. Now, as long as I'm accepted by God, I've got the upper hand. Come on. Are you listening to me? Long story short, how many minutes I got? Long story short, I got two minutes. I got two minutes. Um, Saul tried to put the, the, the armor and all of this on, on David. It didn't ever say that the armor was too big. It just said that he couldn't walk in it good. So that leads me to believe that David wasn't little tiny scrawny David like, like the coloring book theology makes you think. I believe that he had big muscles. He was out there fighting. He was out there snatching um, lions by their beard and choking them up and with his bare hands. Are you listening to me? I believe he was strong. He was strong. Come on, my, my youngest son, Gabe, he's taller than my older son. He's got big muscles. So sometimes the, the younger one is bigger than the older one. It didn't say that Saul, we know Saul was very tall. It didn't say it was too big. It just said he wasn't used to it. He wasn't used to that. He's let me go back to what I know. Come on, go back to what you know. In the middle of this faith fight, go back to what you know. We know to fight, the good fight of faith, right? We go back. Remember, TJ, he knew how to swim. He got all the way out there to five feet. But then in the middle of it, because he had never been here before, he almost started panicking. So I had to tell him, swim. So I'm telling you, swim. So David had to go with what he knew. I like to think, man, y'all might have to borrow me a couple of minutes because y'all know my mind goes a mile a minute. I like to think of, of David, the Bible said he went to the brook and he got five, five smooth stones, smooth stones for velocity so that when he swung that slingshot, it could go. But I believe it was strong. If he was strong enough to tackle a bear and tackle a lion, I believe it was strong. So I was wondering, you know, smooth stones. We often think about little bitty pebbles. I don't know about that, though. I'm thinking about maybe a baseball size. And I was looking it up. I looked up to see who had the fastest, um, the, the fastest um baseball pitch man it was like a, a guy from cuba i thought i wrote it down a, a guy from cuba um orlandis chapman or something like that and he's pitched a ball 105 105 miles per hour this is a baseball so what if he had a baseball size um rock and he threw it 105 with a slingshot. That velocity was really going right. Or this is what I thought. This is what I thought. Oh, somebody just be here. Type something in here with me. I'm so excited about it. I thought of, anybody used to run track. Anybody used to run track? I was the slowest one on the track team, but I ran track anyway. But I remember the shot put, the shot put, the shot put. We used to call it shock put. It's just shot put shot put and the, the deal with the shot put they started at their at their at their neck and they swing around and they throw it but this is the thing with the shot put they're really not throwing 
the ball, the, the, the big round globe. They're not really throwing it. They're putting it. Shot put. They're putting it where they want it to go. So I'm thinking that maybe, maybe David had a rock like the shot put and he spun that thing around and threw it and put it right where he wanted to go. The Bible says that that smooth stone hit that giant, hit dead in the face. The giant was running to David. David was running to the giant with that slingshot. And this is the thing. Oh my God, I don't have time to say it. I'm just, my mind is going a mile a minute. The Bible says that this giant had a, um, a armor bearer that hid his armor. So in one sentence, it was talking about how the armor bearer went out before him and then you never hear the armor bearer again. The armor bearer is never mentioned again. What happened to the armor bearer? What happened to his armor bearer? I believe those other soldiers, they got their strength. The other people from Israel, the soldiers from, I believe they got their strength back and they start charging too. David went and he was, the giant was running toward him, but David was running toward the giant. Put the thing right between his eyes. He fell down flat. David didn't have a, a, a sword. He didn't even have a sword. So he pulled out the giant's sword and he took his neck, his head off. Come on, that's what you do with a snake. That's what you do with an enemy. You take his head off off it ain't over till his head is off are you listening to me i believe we gonna walk into 2020 with the head of fear in our hand we got the head of fear in our hand this is our trophy we made it through oh hallelujah we made it through and we got the trophy piece we've got the head of fear because we have dismantled his head we have taken his head off of his neck because we fight the good fight of faith it's a good fight because I win and all I do is win, 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 no matter what. Come on. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but he did give you power, love, and a sound mind. I trust that word blessed your life. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. And I want you to know that at Destiny Faith Church, we're more than a church. We're a family.